Happy Monday, everybody. My name is Brandon Rosa, and welcome to another episode of the Xbox in 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. Every Monday, this Xbox podcast covers new game releases, the previous week's Xbox gaming news, and we all learn an Xbox-related fun fact together. This show is on podcast services around the world, so please subscribe on your favorite and leave a review. Xboxin10.com, no numbers, is your quick source for links to all of our podcast destinations and social media profiles, which you could follow at Xboxin10. To start, let's talk game releases. The big games out last week were No Man's Sky Beyond, Slay the Spire, and Ancestor's Legacy. Upcoming games this week are Remnant from the Ashes, Rad, Smooth Summer Games, Gift of Parthox, and Life is Strange 2 Episode 4, which I'm very excited about. Now onto last week's biggest news stories, and we have 10 to cover this week. Number 1. Phil Spencer talks Project Scarlet, FPS, backwards compatibility, and cross-gen. Sean Carey at True Achievements writes, At this year's E3, Microsoft announced Project Scarlet, its next generation of Xbox console. There wasn't too much to go on, but we do know the console will feature a custom AMD processor that is four times more powerful than the Xbox One X and a solid-state drive. Now Phil Spencer has revealed more information in an interview with GameSpot, which I highly recommend everyone going and reading the full interview. Some of the primary focal points that Microsoft is investing its time on for Project Scarlet are frame rates and how smoothly games will run. Spencer said, Well, I think the area that we really want to focus on next generation is frame rate and playability of the games. Ensuring that the games load incredibly fast, ensuring that the game is running at the highest frame rate possible. People love 60 frames per second games, so getting games to run at 4K 60 frames per second I think will be a real design goal for us. The thing that's interesting is, this generation we've really focused on 4K visuals and how we bring both movies through 4K Blu-ray and video streaming, and with Xbox One X allowing games to run at 4K visuals, will make really strong visual enhancements next generation. Although the new power of Project Scarlet will most likely usher in a new generation of console graphics, Spencer has said that for Microsoft, the playability of games is probably the biggest focus for the upcoming console. Quote, playability is probably the bigger focus for us this generation. How do games load? Do I feel like I can get into the game as fast as possible? And while it's playing, how does it feel? Does this game both look and feel like no other game that I've seen? That's our target. Backwards compatibility and cross-gen is something that Microsoft is also looking into. Spencer is pleased with the success of the Xbox One backwards compatibility program and said, quote, making sure that all four generations of content, so the original Xbox games that run on your Xbox One today, the OG Xbox, the Xbox 360 games that run on your Xbox One, your Xbox One games, and the all-new generation games all run on the next platform is important to us. Although previously, Spencer has said that not every game will be backwards compatible with the next console, and will most likely be restricted to games that are already backwards compatible and games that Microsoft can license. Backwards compatibility isn't just reserved for games though. You will still be able to use your Xbox One controller with Project Scarlet, with controllers such as the Elite Controller and other customized controllers. Spencer said they want to allow players to use them on their next console. Quote, we came out with the Elite Controller, we've done work on controllers, and people have invested in personalized controllers. The things they love, and we want to make those compatible with the future generations of our consoles as well. Spencer also spoke briefly about cross-gen and allowing players to play games with friends on previous generation Xbox consoles, and confirmed that cross-gen would be coming to Project Scarlet. Quote, we want to make sure that the generations can play with each other, so if you happen to adopt the next generation early and somebody stays back, that if their games are on both platforms, you'll be able to play cross-gen. Any details about our next generation console we'll all be playing on is exciting, and we are almost a year away from that release. Number 2. Minecraft Super Duper Graphics Pack Cancelled Jordan Serrani at IGN writes, 
More than two years after it was announced, Minecraft's Super Duper Graphics Pack has officially been cancelled. The graphics pack, quote, proved too technically demanding to implement as planned, according to developer Moang. We aren't happy with how the pack performed across devices, it said. For this reason, we're stopping development on the pack and looking into other ways for you to experience Minecraft with a new look. We reported on this previously as it had never been talked about in many years, so it's interesting to see that it was finally cancelled. Funny that a game that's built on blocks could not be uprezzed high enough for 4K visuals. Number 3. Halo Infinite Loses Veteran Creative Director ONS Good at Polygon writes, Halo Infinite's creative director was reassigned off that team, reports Kotaku, in a leadership shakeup about a year before the game's planned launch. Tim Longo, who was creative director for 2015's Halo 5 Guardians, was reassigned to another role within 343 Industries last week, and this week left the studio altogether. Microsoft confirmed the departure in a recent statement to Kotaku. Executive producer Mary Olson is now in charge of Halo Infinite's campaign team as its lead producer, Microsoft said. The statement noted that, quote, the overall creative vision and production of the game remains led by Chris Lee, studio head of Halo Infinite. No reasons were given for Longo's redesignment or departure. A little concerning with the game almost a year out, but I do have confidence that they will deliver this time around. Number 4. Microsoft sees The Outer Worlds as an exclusive franchise Richard Wakeling at GameSpot writes, The Outer Worlds is shaking up quite nicely ahead of its release on October 25th for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC, with the Switch version arriving at a later date. If you want to play its potential sequel, however, you might need an Xbox. That's the word from head of Xbox Studios Matt Booty, who revealed during an interview with Game Informer that Microsoft believes The Outer Worlds can be, quote, an enduring franchise for the company. Microsoft acquired Obsidian, the studio developing The Outer Worlds back in 2018, adding it to the list of 15 developers that comprise the Xbox Game Studios roster, alongside the likes of Ninja Theory, Double Fine, and Playground Games. The Outer Worlds is currently being published by Private Division, the indie-centric publishing arm of Take-Two, but beyond this, Microsoft will also likely be handling publishing duties for any potential sequels, which could also mean the franchise becomes an Microsoft exclusive. This isn't the case with all of Microsoft's first-party projects. Booty explains that with an IP like Minecraft, for example, it makes sense to keep the franchise as open and multi-platform as possible, whereas other games will be better supported by the resources Microsoft can put into them. The Outer Worlds falls into the latter category as Booty expresses Microsoft's high hopes for the game and its future potential. I am very excited for this game giving Obsidian's history, and it is interesting to hear how Matt Booty expresses his thoughts on Microsoft's first party developers and how their games could come to other platforms in the future. Number 5. Rare Talk CFD's new regular content schedule and building a sustainable future. Matt Wales at Eurogamer writes, since its rather divisive launch last year, Sea of Thieves has grown substantially. A total of five major updates has introduced the likes of a new exploration region, new ship types, roving skeleton fleets, perilous fog, giant sharks, fishing, cooking, a standalone competitive mode, and more. However, anyone that's played the game on a regular basis will know that Rare has consistently struggled to find a sustainable rhythm for the regular delivery of new content since launch, making its live service game often feel less than alive. Last month, however, Rare unveiled a new plan of attack for Sea of Thieves, pledging that its multiplayer pirate adventure would adopt a new monthly content release schedule. And now, as the game receives the second of those updates, Dark Relics, executive producer Joe Nete and creative director Matt Chapman have explained in a conversation with Eurogamer the whys behind the decision and what this should mean for the future of Sea of Thieves. Dark Relic, much like last month's Black Powder Stashes update, and indeed the mercenary voyages from earlier this year, introduces a new number of limited time voyages intended to add a unique spin on the core experience. This time around, plucky pirates will be cast toward the horizon at the behest of the Order of Souls, searching down skeleton captains who hold ancient treasure maps leading to the mysterious Dark Relics that lend the update its name. Good to see Rare continuing to support its dedicated audience for Sea of Thieves. Number 6, Halo Wars 2 support and updates have come to an end for this game. James O'Connor GameSpot writes, 
343 Industries has responded to a Halo Wars 2 petition with some potentially bad news for the game's community, explaining the game will not be receiving further updates and support. The petition, signed by over 2,500 fans, asked for several updates and improvements for the Halo RTS. Fan requests include a Steam release, new features such as replays, a UI designed for PC, a keyboard and mouse support for Xbox One, new content including maps and skins, and various bug fixes, quality of life improvements, and balance patches. 343 Industries has responded to this petition over on Halo Waypoint, and it sounds like these requests are not going to be fulfilled anytime soon, as the studio does not have staff free to update or support Halo Wars 2 further. Sorry to disappoint all those fans out there. I played the first one and the second one within the past year and a half. I never beat the second one, but enjoyed my time with it. Number 7, THQ Nordic announces updates for Saints Row, Dead Island 2, and Time Splitters. Joe Scrabbles at IGN writes, THQ Nordic has announced that a new Saints Row game is in development. Homefront Revolution studio Dan Buster is now working on Dead Island 2, and it has hired Time Splitters co-creator Steve Ellis to, quote, plot the future course of the Time Splitters franchise. Just a short news burst, but you can read more as you go through their financial report. It's just cool to see that Time Splitters is coming back. I was a big fan of that on the original Xbox with my friends. Dead Island 2 apparently is not dead, and Saints Row is coming back. Number 8, Need for Speed Heat announced for November release. Alicia Judge at IGN writes, Ghost Games has unveiled Need for Speed Heat, the title of the next game in its racing series, and penned a November 8th release date. Sporting a distinct Miami Vice aesthetic, the title riffs off of the 80s nostalgia in vogue at the moment, but the graphics look ultra-modern. The trailer shows legion of supercars racing through a rain-soaked streets that reflect streetlights in hues of purple and orange. Heat seems to be continuing Need for Speed Payback's focus on story. The new trailer champions a rebellious group of racers fronted by a woman speaking with a thick Spanish accent, proving that police chases are once again back. Quote, they imposed limits to to control us, she says, limits to make us blend in, make us safe, but we own limits and we'll own the night. I haven't been into a Need for Speed game since Underground 1 and 2 and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit way back when, but I'm sure fans of the series are stoked. Number 9, video game consoles won't get pricier in America, at least for now. Ethan Gacha Kotaku writes, 10% tax on video game consoles and other consumer electronics has been delayed until December 15th. The Office of the United States Trade Representative announced today. According to President Trump, the purpose of the delay is to prevent the tariffs from hurting the holiday shopping season. The next round of tariffs in the Trump administration's ongoing trade war with China is set to go into effect on September 1st. But following today's news, it will no longer include game consoles like the Xbox One, PS4, or Nintendo Switch. Good news as we reported on a few weeks ago, no major impact to the next-gen console prices or game console prices for now. And number 10, Rainbow Six Siege is getting a battle pass. Joe Scrabbles at IGN writes, Rainbow Six Siege is falling in line with shooter peers by introducing a battle pass system. As part of the new operation Ember Rise content which introduces two new operators, Amoru and Goyu, and a reworked version of the Kanal map, the battle pass will begin with a miniature take on the pass called, quote, Call Me Harry. According to a press release, the Call Me Harry pass will focus on Dr. Harashiva, Harry Paddy, director of Rainbow. By earning battle points, players will unlock tiers and unique rewards and will get an exclusive Harry Chibi charm upon completion. The mini pass will take place over 7 days and include 7 tiers and will be completely free. A second pass will launch later this year and will include a 2 tier system familiar from games like Fortnite, comprising free and premium checks. Any ongoing games as a service is developing this model, and it's no shocker. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I hope they're on the right side. As always, we end the show with a fun fact about Xbox. This week, our fun fact is about the Rare Studio. 
For those who didn't know, Microsoft bought Rare in 2002 for the cost of $375 million. Rare was famous for games on the Nintendo 64 such as GoldenEye 007, Donkey Kong 64, and Perfect Dark. That deal included all of Rare's intellectual properties, which is why you can see that Banjo-Kazooie is making its appearance in Smash. A fun surprise for the industry and a great collaboration between Microsoft and Nintendo. Thank you all for listening to the Xbox and 10 podcast, your weekly source of Xbox gaming news covered in around 10 minutes. If you like the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast service, leave a review, share it with your friends, and follow on all social media at Xbox and 10. This past week, I haven't had a single second to play video games as I'm moving into a new house. As everything around me is in boxes, I set up a quick studio so I can record in. I did notice at the end of the show that my mixer settings weren't proper, so I'm sorry if this episode sounds a little weird. But once I get my new station set up to record, it should sound better and be better all the way around. My name is Brandon Rosa. You can follow me on Xbox at Rosa93. I hope you all have a great week and keep on gaming.